surprise, it's Jenny Love of the No-Till Flowers podcast. While the busyness of the growing season at my farm doesn't allow for a steady schedule of podcasting, there are going to be some spontaneous shows this spring and summer when I get an urge to talk about a timely topic. And today's timely topic is tulips. We flower farmers are in the thick of tulip harvesting here in April. This crop can make or break you. Manage them well and they'll make you money without a whole lot of headache. Manage them poorly and you'll break the bank and your body. So I wanted to offer my thoughts on tulips while they're top of mind for so many of you. There's long been a debate about how profitable and sustainable tulip production can be for those of us in the farmer florist camp or market gardeners. I am here to tell you that tulips are a highly profitable crop for me these days. But they weren't always. In 2009, my first season growing tulips commercially, I lost a lot of money. Why? Because I didn't have a sales outlet lined up that would take 5,000 stems in one week, and I didn't have a cooler to store them in. Since tulips pretty much bloom all at once, that year I ended up putting about half of my harvest on the compost pile or just giving it away. Much was learned that season. Once I got a cooler and could take advantage of long-term dry storing of the stems, I began to really appreciate tulips in a whole new way. They are a reliable crop that I can literally bank in my cooler to use for weddings throughout the spring. Without tulips, I would never have been able to pull off hundreds of April and May weddings over the past decade. I'll talk a little bit more about dry storage later in the show, and I'll also be putting together a pictorial guide to dry storing tulips for you all. To make sure you get that, sign up for the newsletter. There's a link in the show notes, and it'll also be posted in the No-Till Flowers Instagram profile. Which reminds me, be sure to follow at No-Till No-Till Flowers on Instagram. Also follow at No-Till Growers, <laughs> but follow at No-Till Flowers on Instagram because I'm continuing to post educational content on there even when I don't have time to put together full podcast episodes. Like Peanut Butter and Jelly, the podcast and Instagram are better together. Uh, so after putting on a, uh, a call or putting out a call on Instagram for questions about tulips for this particular episode, I realized I needed to call in the big guns to help me answer some of the more technical ones. So today I get to chat with a longtime mentor and friend, Dave Dowling. Dave is infamous in the local flower farming world having been a flower farmer for 24 years in Maryland and having been involved with the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers for nearly that long as well. A few years ago, he retired from farming and took up sales on the supplier side of things, working for Edney, Glockner, and now Ball. He's literally the guy you call when you need bulbs. (laughs) I was delighted he agreed to jump on a call with me pretty much on the spur of the moment to help me answer your questions. You guys are going to love hearing all of his great insights. But before I loop Dave in, I wanted to take a few moments to talk about my no-till tulip system that I've been using at my farm for the past three seasons. Historically, commercially produced tulips have involved a lot of soil moving. Bulbs are planted in trenches dug at least six inches deep, and that's a lot of disturbance to the soil. In the spring, when it's harvest time, the disturbance to the soil is also problematic, and that usually ends up over the years you just get really bad soil whenever you do that much disturbance. In contrast, the no-till tulip system I use involves building temporary raised beds 
on top of undisturbed soil. And then the bulbs are laid directly on top of the soil and compost is added until it's about six to eight inches deep on top of the bulbs. In the spring, after tulip harvest, the temporary raised beds get dismantled and the compost is spread on other beds around the farm. This system is so much better for so many reasons. I wish I had done this years ago. I am, I am like a zealot about this no-till tulip system at this point. And I think a lot of you who've been following along um, with my no-till experiments have tried this in the past season or two and are also becoming zealous about the no-till tulip system. So here's a quick quick list as to why it's better. <laughs> it's so much better for the soil. It's so much better for your body. Planting is far easier and faster than using the old school trench method. Harvesting is far easier and faster too. Stems are long and clean when you pull them out. Nearly every bulb planted yields a marketable stem. Let me repeat that. Nearly every bulb planted yields a marketable stem. That is quite the contrast to bulbs that are grown in trenches that usually only yield about 80% at most. So usually you lose 20% of your bulbs when you use the trench, the trench method. Uh, but if you do the no-till system, then you get about 100% of your bulbs. And then... The thing that I love most about my no-till bulb system that I didn't really come to like fully comprehend until actually this season is that that compost that is in that bed over, over the winter growing the tulips, what's left behind in the spring, there's a lot of compost and it is the dreamiest stuff because it's been sitting all winter aging. And then it's also had living roots in it the entire time. So usually mine here is threaded very generously with mycelium by the time we harvest. And it's also got heaps of earthworms and centipedes and you can just see the life teeming in it. I mean, talk about biology. So it's basically this like really supercharged compost that is absolutely fantastic for top dressing your planting beds for all your summer annuals. So in some ways, my no-till tulip system is now becoming my composting system because I'm taking in, you know, I don't get the best compost here in Philadelphia. I'm, I'm kind of limited to, um, you know, a more uh, urban environment. So the compost that I get is not always at the right stage that I'd like to have it. So now I can take this sort of municipal quality compost, let it sit all winter, grow tulips, um, and get fortified, get more biology in it, age a little bit more, and then send it out onto my beds for the next growing season. So it's a really fantastic system that I'm loving. I wrote a detailed step-by-step -step blog post about this system, and it is available on my main business website, loveandfreshflowers.com. Again, that's loveandfreshflowers.com. There's a direct link to that post in the show notes here too, so just grab it there if you need to. I frequently blog about topics that are mentioned on the podcast, so you may want to just go ahead and bookmark that site and use the search function to dig around for lots more farming know-how on there. Alrighty, put on your work gloves and let's go. All right, so...
Okay, on today's um, sort of spontaneous episode here of No-Till Flowers, I grabbed Dave Dowling of Ball Color Link Sales to talk to me all about tulips because it is tulip season. We're all going mad with harvesting tulips and trying to push tulips. And I know tulips are top of mind for pretty much every flower farmer out there right now. So I wanted to just sit down and get nitty gritty with Dave because frankly, people, he knows pretty much everything there is to know about flowers. <laughs> and uh, if there's anybody to answer all your questions that you gave to me on Instagram. Dave is it because he really, uh, he knows his stuff. So welcome Dave to the podcast. I'm excited to pick your brain today. It's good to be here. Hi, how you doing today? <laughs> good. good. You, you, you should probably be out picking tulips today. But I should. Well, that's one thing I was gonna I was gonna mention at some point is this is an important topic because I am here sitting down recording a podcast episode instead of out harvesting the thousands of tulips that need harvested yeah. at this exact moment. I just felt so um, compelled to help all the newer growers that seem to be completely overwhelmed by uh, the tulip harvest situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I figured. We'll take we'll take about you know thirty minutes or something here to try and answer some questions and uh, get everybody squared away for a little bit longer. So I appreciate your your time, Dave. And so for those um, who are listening who aren't familiar with Dave, he's a past uh, president of the ASCFG. Um, he was um, he uh, preceded me in that role, and he's also uh, sold tulip bulbs pretty much for years and years and years. So he knows a lot about tulips. Um, so we're going to start with the burning question. And I hear so often, Dave, is bulb on or bulb off when you're storing tulips because there seems to be two very different camps. So right. which camp were you in when you were actually selling flowers? Yeah, well, I was a grower for 20 years in Maryland, and I was always a bulb off, um, mainly because we had a cooler and we would pick them, put them in the cooler and sell them that week. So we weren't trying to hold things for two or three weeks waiting for Mother's Day or Easter or anything. Um, and we sold tulips starting in January all the way up until April because we grew some of the five seed tulips, which are pre-cooled in a heated greenhouse. Mm. Um, but I always did them bulb off um, for several reasons. We sold them right away within a week. And also you can get a lot more in the bucket and in the cooler if they don't have the bulbs on them. But if you are saving them, um, like right now, I've had people ask about trying to save tulips for Mother's Day. If you're saving them more than a week, if you hold them on the bulb, it does hold better or longer. Um, but there is a limit to how long you can hold them, because if you leave them in there too long, they're going to sometimes get moldy inside the flower and you don't mm -hmm. see that. And then also, if you go to a farmer's market on Mother's Day and it's 85 degrees, those tulips are going to turn inside out and it's going to be really hard to sell them. Um, so you also got to look at the weather when you're trying to hold them too. In other words, you're trying to hold them for Mother's Day or that a heat wave, you don't want to be selling tulips. So right. exactly. you got to decide which is right, is, which is right for, your, for your farm. And it also depends if you're growing... 15,000 tulips or 500, you know, because 15,000 bulbs putting back in your cooler attached to the stems isn't going to work. So. No, yeah. definitely not. Yeah, I'm a bulb off girl here and have been for years. Maybe I owe that to you actually yeah. years ago well, you, teaching me. You probably sell yours and use them <laughs> soon after you pick them. Right. So yeah. I do I do two things with my tulips this year because um, my, you know, the business model changed so drastically last year with COVID. So I do a much, much uh, more brisk sales retail wise now. Mm -hmm. So I've, I'm really moving a lot of tulips at this exact moment um, pretty much instantly. As soon as I pick them, they, they're 
are going to go out the door. But in, in years past, I grew tulips almost exclusively for my wedding designs because it was such a crop that I could rely on. I could say like, okay, I know my tulips are going to bloom in early, mid-April right. and I can hold them until mid-May or sometimes mm -hmm. I would even push it to the end of May. And I would know that's like kind of like a done crop. Like I know it's it's in the bank, literally. Like I'd bank it in my cooler and be like, I've got 500 white tulips and I know they're in there and I don't have to worry about a critter coming along or a storm right. or anything. Mm -hmm. So they were really valuable that way. So I've done both where I've done really long-term storage and I've done, you know, quick and dirty, turn it around and sell it out the door right away. I will say I've always been bulb off even when I was doing long, long-term storage mm -hmm. and I had no problems. I've never had any real problems with them fading away because they didn't have the bulb. But I will say for the record, I was using them just for an event. So like I just needed them to look good for one day uh, <laughs> whenever yes. I pulled them out. So um, one other really important thing, if you are storing tulips out of water dry or for long term, is when you do go to rehydrate them, you have to support them. You can't mm -hmm. just yeah. put them in a vase right away because they're going to droop. You either want to wrap them in paper to support them while they hydrate or in sleeves or really full buckets so they can't fall over to have them you know, supported upright while they rehydrate and get more water in the stems and then they're okay. The other thing I want to point out as far as people always trying to extend the harvest later in the season, even if you're growing regular bulbs that aren't the five degree or the pre-cooled like I did, is to grow some and put a low tunnel over one section or a couple of beds in the field mm. to get those ready two or three weeks earlier. So you can almost double your tulip sales if you get part of your crop ready three ah. weeks earlier than the other with just the regular bulbs planted out in the field or use the nine seed bulbs if you're in the southern states. Um, you basically plant them in two different batches and one section you cover with the tunnel, put the hoops up in the fall because the ground might be frozen when you want to cover it in the spring. And if you, you want to cover them about three or four weeks before they would normally come out of the ground. So if you kind of okay. remember when they normally sprout and cover them for three to four weeks before that and get that, that bed ready earlier. And what I recommend is planting 40% that you're going to force early and 60% for later, because that 40% gets your customers, the farmer's market, your, your florist mm. customers excited about tulips and they're going to want more in a few weeks. So three or four weeks later, you get more to sell to them. Oh, so that's that 40, awesome. 60 split seems to work well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's fantastic advice because you actually gave me that, not that, oh, I mean, you probably gave me the tulip advice years ago and I didn't listen, but um, you did give that same kind of advice for peonies. And I remember yes. hearing that and uh, at a farm tour at your farm in Maryland uh, years and years ago at an ASCFG tour, and I was all over that. And so since then, I've put, um, you know, a certain percentage of my peonies under low tunnels yep. that just are out there, you know, just temporarily, uh, and I can get peonies a couple weeks early. And and then and then space out that harvest, which is same as tulips. You know, there's always right. the peonies come on all at once. So fantastic too. Yeah, I love it. It also that. depends where you are and if you have a market to sell them earlier. If you're at a farmer's market that doesn't open until May 1st or April 1st, you don't want the tulips ready earlier than that. But sometimes, depending when Easter is every year, Easter is a really big flower yeah. holiday. Oh, man, if your tulips is. don't make Easter normally, because it's say March eight, March twenty-fifth for Easter, that tunnel over a section on tulips can really, you know up your sales because you can sell for Easter then. Right. Yeah. So like if my, my tulips generally come on about the first week of April here, so I'd put a low tunnel up in the first week of March ish. Does that uh, sound about right? For you, right? the last week of February, first week of March, you would cover it. You'd put the tunnel up in the fall in case it was frozen, but cover it the last week of February, first week of March, about three to four weeks before they would normally break the ground. Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, because we we missed Easter by a hair this year, and yeah. I was so annoyed. And if you had the like, tunnel, you would have had them. <laughs> right, I would have had them. So awesome. So we've already got like so many um, golden nuggets of information there. I'm loving this conversation. Uh, one of the things you were talking about, uh, five degree chill and everything. So this was a question that people had on Instagram that they really wanted somebody to answer, and that's frankly why I had to bring you into this conversation. I would have anyway, but I need. I don't chill bulbs. I don't do pre-chilled bulbs because we get so cold here in the northern area so i'm zone seven we get plenty of winter time here i have no issue with just buying in regular bulbs putting them in the ground and they get plenty cold over the winter but those growers that are further south are going to need to buy pre-chilled bulbs for so given that a lot of my audience dave is um vegetable farmers who are going over into flower growing Mm -hmm. or new growers so can you just literally explain from the ground up what chilled bulbs are and why people might need them thank you (laughs) so a regular tulip bulb is one that has not had any cooling from the distributor before they send them to you. Um, that would be normally just planted out in the field. You can get them shipped to you anytime from mid to late September up into October and November. But you want to be planting them in your field while the ground is not frozen yet, but you, you've had a frost and the weather's cooled down. Because when you plant your tulips in the field, they should have time to grow some roots before mm-hmm. the ground gets really cold and starts to freeze. Um, that helps get better, longer stems and better mm-hmm. plants in the spring because they have roots established. If they go on ground that freezes right away, they're not going to grow any roots till spring, and then they don't have enough roots to support a nice tall stem and big ah, bud. So could that be one of the reasons people are complaining about short stems is when maybe they just, you know, did their timing poorly, they ran out of yes. time, and they threw that, those that, in in December of, right before. One of several reasons. I'll go over the short stems later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I was just like, that's yeah, that's it. another one. But I was just thinking okay. like, oh, that could be really detrimental because yeah. I've always heard like, oh, as long as you can, you know, turn the ground over, um, it's okay to plant them. But I guess it's not. It's, you it's better to do it. You can always plant late if you have to, but it's better to plant them on time, which is a few weeks after your first frost. Um, but then back to the uh, cooling. Mm-hmm. So then that's a regular uncooled tulip. Then there's two other options, 9C and 5C, which the C stands for Celsius because they're coming from Holland mm-hmm. and they do mm-hmm. Celsius mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. 9C is about 48 to 49 degrees. 5C is about 39 degrees. And the difference between the 9C They've had about six weeks of cooling at 9C or 48 degrees before they're shipped to you, to the grower. And then the grower will then plant them, uh, should be planting them right away as soon as they get them. If they can't plant them right away, they should continue that 48 degree cooling until they do plant them. Um, most of the suppliers don't have the 9C tulips ready to ship until mid-October because um, it's two reasons. That's when you should start to plant them. And then also that's how long it takes for them to give them that cooling before they can ship them to you. Mm. Um, and then if we go to the 5C tulips, those have had even more cooling. They've had all the cooling that they need. So if you look in some uh, bulb catalogs, it'll have the weeks of cooling needed for that variety. And it varies anywhere from 15 weeks to 19 weeks. But if you get a 5C bulb, that supplier is given the entire amount of cooling that that tulip needs. It has had it before it ships to you. Um, but because they have to give it anywhere from 14 to 19 weeks of cooling, they can't ship those usually until mid-December. Uh, it's usually like the second week of December. And those would be for people doing forcing cut flowers in a heated greenhouse or in like zone 10, Southern Florida, Southern Texas, Southern California, where you're growing outdoors, and there's no chance of them freezing. You could get five C tulips shipped to you in December, January, and February and grow them out in the field in the South. Um, I have a customer in Florida that does that. So he gets five C tulips, succession plants and has tulips for a longer uh, season in the spring because she can plant them and then 
succession plan every three or four weeks and have a new crop. Oh, um, wow. But the 5C is only for forcing. You would not buy a 5C and plant it out in the field because then it just confuses the plant. You put it in the field, it's not freezing and cold yet. It starts to grow because it's had all the cooling it needs and then it just doesn't work right. <clears throat> gotcha, gotcha. The 9C bulbs that have had the partial cooling, those are great for two, two purposes. If you're trying to force them in a tunnel and you know you're going to, like I was talking earlier about putting the tunnel over some tulips, if you know you're going to want to force them early, you want to make sure they have enough cooling before you cover those. So if you plant nine C bulbs and cover those with a tunnel late winter, then they will have had enough cooling. Um, and then the other thing is if you're a Southern grower, like I was like say middle of Maryland and across, I guess it's the Mason Dixon line from there South, winters aren't always cold enough or long enough. Um, so you don't get enough natural cooling. So then you get the short flowers by buying the nine C bulbs. You then have an extra six weeks of cooling built into those bulbs. So you're less likely to have short stems if you have a mild winter. Now, sometimes you have a, a long cold winter in Maryland and Virginia and it works fine without pre-cooled, but that 9C is kind of insurance because you never know when you're gonna have that mild winter and they don't get enough natural cooling. Um, right. And the suppliers don't charge much more for the cooling. I think it's usually a penny Okay, that was more. about my next question yeah. was like, is it more expensive for chilled bulbs or it's usually not really? a little more, a penny more for the 9C and uh, I think three cents for the 5C because hmm. they have to have it in taking up space in the coolers longer. But the other important thing is if you want to do the 5C or 9C, you have to order those way in advance because they don't have them sitting around. It's like, I would say it's like wedding cakes. The bakery doesn't have a bunch of wedding cakes waiting there for you to buy on your wedding <laughs> right, day. Right, right. You order yeah. in advance. The same thing with any kind of programmed bulb, order it in advance, like tulips like this for the uh, 5C or 9C, you want to order them by the middle of June at the latest. Okay. So if people want to be doing this for next year because they're frustrated with short stems this year or they want to pre-program and get earlier stuff, they better basically get their butts in gear and, and order and something order really yes. soon. Yeah, yeah. order okay. by mid-June. And that way it gives the, the supplier time to make sure they get them ordered for them. You know, they have it in their stock mm -hmm. and then they get into the cooling program before they send it to you. Okay. And are all, all those getting cooled like in Holland or do they come to the U.S. No, and actually cool they here? get started cooling on the way over here because all the containers that come over from Holland, they're refrigerated containers, no matter what they're selling, <clears throat> sending, whether it's tulips, lilies, whatever crop it is, it's always a refrigerated container and they just set the temperature, the correct temperature. So it's getting that extra 10 days or two weeks on, in the ship started and they finish it here where they might start it in Holland and then do it on the boat huh. and then continue here in the U.S. That is fascinating. Yeah. I don't know why. I just, I find that like utter, just a picture of like boats hauling chilled bulbs across the ocean. It's a cool image. So. Yeah. So it, it, yeah. It, it'll show that you've got, um, you, you know, you all seen those shipping containers out on the, mm -hmm. on the, well, that, on the Suez Canal. <laughs> the Suez, we're all familiar now. <laughs> Some of those are actually have a, what they call a gen set. It's actually a refrigeration unit. So they can either huh. heat it, you know, if they're shipping something that can't freeze, they would heat the, those containers because, you know, they're shipping in the middle of the winter, or they can refrigerate it in the warm weather and have the temperature supposed to be. And they do that with, you know, food that comes from Europe, you know, the cheese yeah. and everything uh -huh. is all refrigerated uh -huh. containers. You just never realize they were refrigerated. So the bulbs always arrive in a refrigerated container. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So let me ask you then um, a question that someone on Instagram had, and, and I think is a good segue question is, so you get you ordered these pre chilled bulbs, mm -hmm. then when is like really the right time to plant them in? I, I know everybody's different and all of that. Is there sort of like a temperature you're looking for? Like when it's okay to start putting tulips that you are pre chilled, particularly the pre chilled, not, not just yeah. in general, well, you the know, nine C that you're going to plant most likely in the field or into a tunnel, you still want to plant about 
about two weeks after your first frost in the fall. Okay. Okay. So the same. Okay. Yeah, about the same time to plant them because then they're going to get, they're still going to grow a few roots in the fall and then get the colder temperature, stop growing roots and sit there till spring and get the rest of their natural cooling. But still okay. about two weeks after your last frost, which for you in the Philly area, that should be, you know, the third, fourth week of October mm -hmm, on a normal mm -hmm. year. Yeah. Yeah. We're usually trying to put our, our uh, tulips in no later than November 1st is my, yeah. you know, yep. my, my drop dead. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then if they wanted to force them though in crates, say for, um, you know, program them literally, yeah. um, what's, what's a good, how many weeks out from, if they get the 5C, I guess is probably Well, if they get the 5C, what you do is you would plant those in crates, or if you're in a warm temperature area or in a heated greenhouse with ground beds, you plant them when they arrive. You grow them for about 10 days in cooler temperatures. If, if you have crates or if you're in a greenhouse that's heated, you don't heat it real warm yet, keep it in the 35, 40 degree range. And then <clears throat> raise the temperature to 50 degrees at night and then, then grow them on and they'll grow from there. So it's the 5C you can grow from whenever they start available to ship them to you in December, you can have them shipped to you December, January, even early February. And then you plant them, grow them cool for about 10 days. So they start their roots and then you grow them at the 50 degrees at night and then they're ready in four weeks four wow four to five weeks one that's other amazing. quick comment on the five seed tulips that's important everybody's familiar with the little brown paper the skin that's on the tulips mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on the five c you should take that and just use a knife and just clean it off the bottom where oh. the, roots are, the little baby roots are starting because sometimes oh. it's so hard that the water doesn't soften that enough and the roots get stuck in there in the time so, that they have, okay. Because so you're trying to grow them right away. It's not as important with the 9C and obviously not important with the field planted because it'll rot away on its own. Right, right. Oh, that's a good tip. Yeah. Mm. Hey, question for you. Mm -hmm. Is there a good resource that I can maybe put a link in the show notes that is just like, would be a summary of that kind of information, like the chill, like where can people go to like the ball website? Does that, is there a place where this kind of is just like laid ball, out in nice Ball doesn't happen, terms? but if you go to the Edney website, <laughs> They do have their cat, their fall bulb catalog is in there. And on each tulip picture, it'll tell you the height, which is really important. We're going to discuss that too. And then also the weeks to cool. And that's how much cooling it needs at that close to freezing temperature for you to get the right size, right height stem of what's listed as the height it's supposed to be. Okay. So people should be looking for weeks to cool yeah. on their supplier cool. site. And if the yes. supplier they're using doesn't actually have that Edney's website would have that on yes, it. Okay. Exactly. That's yeah. great to mm -hmm. know. Yeah. I didn't, I, for all the years I've been growing tulips, I actually couldn't have told you where to find that information. Yeah. And again, <laughs> so. it varies quite a bit. Cause I'm looking at the catalog right now and there's some, I'm looking at some parrots. Some of them are 19 weeks and some are 16 weeks. So mm -hmm. here's a 15 weeks. So you don't want to try and force a parrot and also the other doubles are the longer 18 or 19 weeks. You don't want to try and force that too early in the spring with doing the tunnel because then you're going to get it blooming, growing before it's had enough cooling. Yeah. And and maybe that's part of it. Like if you're in a zone, I mean, if you don't want to do all this pre-chilling and programming and everything and you just want to do what nature does, then maybe knowing the weeks to cool is important to just kind of like you shouldn't pick anything that needs tons of time if you have a relatively short winter, right? Exactly. Does that yes. make sense? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it might just be good for everybody, no matter how you're growing, to have a sense of those weeks to cool because that exactly. would that'd yep. be helpful to know. So, all right. Since we've been dancing around that subject for a a few minutes here let's talk about short stems because yes. that seems to be a big topic <laughs> yes. this year among all the growers so what happened is it bad bulbs is it bad temperatures it is all it people... different things <laughs> yeah to me, so my first thing is don't buy a short tulip and expect it to grow tall <laughs> hallelujah um, everybody knows the tulip angelique 
it's only listed as 12 inches. Yep. So I stopped gonna, growing her because so you're not going to get an 18 inch stem <laughs> off a 12 inch tulip, no matter what you do. You know, there's no magic wand to make a short tulip tall. Mm -hmm. So pick taller varieties, even like labella pock is only 14 inches. Yeah. But so that one's so beautiful. So, so beautiful. that one gets by. I'm sorry, correct myself. <laughs> it's 16 inches. So it's the borderline. I always say don't buy anything less than 16 inches. Um, so that one is listed as 16, but there's beautiful tulips. They're just too short to grow as a cut flower. And if you're buying off of a website or looking in the catalog, always look at the height. Don't be mm -hmm. just fooled by that beautiful picture and put it in your cart and buy it. And then all of a sudden get upset or disappointed because they're only eight inches tall. Well, there are some tulips that are only eight inches tall. I mean, I think you can, if you're going to be a farmer florist doing wedding work for the record, I think you can get away with some of the shorter ones, yes. but don't, if you're doing retail, if you're doing farmer's yeah. markets or florists yeah. or anything, stop right. growing the shorties. That's just not worth exactly. it. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. everybody knows that whenever you're selling a flower, whether you're selling to a florist or at a farmer's market, the longer the stem is, the more you can charge for it. Mm -hmm. You can have mm -hmm. two buckets of tulips sitting next to each other with the same variety. If you cut one at 12 inches, one at 18, people are going to buy the 18 first and they'll pay more for it. Yeah. So. I have such a philosophical beef with that, but I agree. With, I absolutely agree with you oh, yeah. that that's true. But I have such a moral conflict with the fact that we need more stem length. But I'll save yeah. that for another yeah. podcast. Yeah. Oh, because there is <laughs> there is a, a market for shorter tulips and shorter flowers in general, because the little cube vases that are always used for the wedding centerpieces, they only need eight inches of the stem length. Exactly. Right. I, I have a giant compost pile because I have to cut off all those stems <laughs> right. and put them in the compost. Yep. So, okay. So yep. the having the proper, getting the right tool yes. is okay. step number one for short stems. The next yeah. thing is they need to make sure that when you plant them, you plant them deep enough, which is usually six inches. And then you have your no-till, which I haven't looked in that completely, that worked great, but you're still putting how much compost are you putting over the ball? Oh yeah. We put eight inches over them. So, so yeah. eight inches deep. So they're mm -hmm. nice and deep. Um, cause then when you pull them, you got that eight inches of stem underground and maybe six or eight or nine or 10 above. So you got a tall tulip. The other important thing is make sure they get enough water, especially when you first plant them. And then when they're growing again in the spring and remember that with Jenny's they're eight inches down. If you're growing, digging in the trench method, they're eight or mm -hmm. nine, six or eight inches down. Water needs to be down that low running the sprinkler drip tape is not going to get water down eight inches deep. I recommend when you're planting them and you could do this even with your no-till put out your bulbs, lay them out like you can do them, and then water them before you bury them, before you cover them. So at least they get one really good wet watering in the fall. Yeah. Then still water them after you put your compost on top or whether you're you know, trench planting them, water them again. But flood that hole or flood that bed with water before you cover them. But then sometime in late winter, before they come out of the ground, you want to water that so much so it's muddy. Mm -hmm. So you, may, mm -hmm. you know the water's getting down six or eight inches down to the roots. Because water in the top two or three inches isn't going to make your tulip grow. And if they don't have enough water, they're not going to grow. They're not going to have the height, they, their potential height they can do. And I will say with the no-till bed system that I have, which um, for everybody listening, I'll put a link in my um, in the show notes and in the, in the Instagram profile, there'll be a link there. I wrote a very detailed blog post about how I do no-dig, no-till tulips. Um, and with that system, it's compost-based. And the compost stays so moist. You know, like it's... it's um, it is hands down the best way I've ever grown tulips. I've been doing it for three years now. And so that's one reason I like it is those those bulbs are pretty much constantly moist because right. that's just what compost does. It holds on to moisture right. and that incredible stem length because of it. So, yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of times people don't bury them enough when they're doing the trench system. I know I, I should speak for myself. When it's I did the work. trench <laughs> system, it's hard work. It's so yes. freaking hard. And so no. you like you start out with the best of intentions for the first five feet of the 
trench and you're like, oh, look at me go. And then by you get to like, you know, foot 25 down the yeah. way and you're like, uh, I'm barely making four inches at this point. Right. <laughs> and that's when you get short. An I, <laughs> right. I, have a, exactly. I have a grower that did that. She tried to plant them a, a quicker way last fall and she sent me pictures a few weeks ago and they were on the surface. And she's like, that's oh, no. She was worried about her tulips <laughs> being short because right. they were showing a bloom at like four inches tall, but yeah. she got good weather, enough rain, and they got to be tall enough eventually. So that's the other thing. Sometimes people see a tulip. Usually you never see the bud because it's wrapped in a leaf. Mm -hmm. But some of the doubles and parrots, you'll see the bud when it's only three or four inches tall and that you freak mm -hmm. out because, oh, look, it's going to bloom. So short. I always tell people, take a picture of it. Because mm. just like kids, you watch them every day, you never see them grow and you're worried they're short. Take a picture and compare it a week later. They're getting taller. You just don't realize it. Now, there are sometimes you will get a variety that just bloomed short for some reason, whether it didn't enough cooling, you know, not planted deep enough, the wrong variety, not enough water. But often it's you're just freaking out because you're seeing it short and you're seeing a bud, but they're still going to get taller. So don't don't freak yeah, out yet until they're fully colored. <laughs> right, uh, but right. Then there exactly. are ways to make lemonade out of those lemons. If you do end up with short tulips, um, you pull them, get them as long as you can. I was telling this one customer, go buy a bunch of little square vases at the dollar store for a dollar. Mm, you pack mm -hmm. 10 tulips in it and you charge $20 and you've, you've made money because it's a cheap vase. It's quick cash and carry easy at the farmer's market. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And even florists, even if you have short tulips, if it's an interesting variety, not just a single red, but a double or a parrot or something neat, they will still buy them if they're short because they can do the same thing. And they often do tulips the same way. Yeah, you just won't get the same price point as you right. would if they were taller. But it's still don't don't you know? There's usually a, a use for any flower yes. <laughs> if you're creative yeah. enough, whether it's tulip or otherwise. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to say for those that don't know who are listening, because we did get some questions about this for. Um, you know, like people want to perennialize their tulips and they want to leave them in the ground and they have questions about, you know, well, will they flower better the next year and things like that. For the record, anybody who's doing tulip production for flower farming, we're talking like you want to sell those stems, um, you need to pull the bulb. You yes. cannot leave that bulb in the ground. There's a couple reasons for that. Exactly. And one is you need the stem length. We're talking about shortness here. Right. Um, you have to pull that bulb up and get the whole length of the stem so usually there's you know when I put my eight inches down in my in my no-till system then I get you know practically eight additional it's really more like six additional inches of stem length because of that and that's how you get those long stems no tulip actually blooms you know I don't know 30 inches tall right. <laughs> it's just because uh, you're pulling the stem or pulling the bulb right the yeah. other thing I want to point out is because you're taking away the leaves it's not going to regenerate the bulb for next year plus the um the bulb, the physiology of the bulb, I guess the way you say it is, you plant that one bulb. If you were to cut one of the bulbs in half that you plant in the fall, it's all one solid mass in there. Hmm. It's almost like the, the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. If you mm -hmm. dig that same bulb up this spring after they bloomed and after it's died back, it's now three or four little bulbs inside that paper skin where it's divided hmm. into three or four small, what they call daughter bulbs. Those are then transplanted out to grow the big bulbs for the following year. And in most of the world, the weather, the climate, everything is not right to do that in that two-year cycle to get good tulip bulbs again. So mm. don't waste your time trying to save tulip bulbs. Um, if you're growing commercial cut flowers, you just pull them up, compost the bulb, or if it stays in the ground, till it up, plant something else out there for a few years, which yeah. by the way, you should always rotate your tulips, never plant them in the same place. They say seven-year rotation. Um, if you try and put them in the same place, you're just asking for what they call tulip fire, which is like botrytis, yeah. and it just destroys your crop. 
It's always yeah. Contagious. Somebody asked about um, tulip fire to just mm. talk about it in general. Yeah. So I've never experienced it here at my farm, but you know, I <laughs> I learned early that you're supposed to yeah. rotate, rotate, rotate. So yeah. mine have never gone in the same space yeah. even in 13 years. So the, is there any hope? You know, like if somebody spots tulip fire, like you're just screwed, basically, you're, right? You're, I mean, like... <laughs> if you see it starting in a patch of tulips, pull up every tulip that has any damage showing and trash it off the farm in a trash bag mm -hmm. and then hope for the best and then make sure you plant somewhere else every year and rotate seven years between plantings of tulips, which if you're planting tulips in a tunnel, eventually you run out of tunnels and have to build new ones. Right. <laughs> um, well, that one question I had, I, I didn't, uh, I don't think anybody posted it specifically on this, um, on this list of questions, but I've heard this question before. Um, with my no-till system, which is, you know, basically building a temporary raised bed, right. filling it with compost. Um, I had a, a friend who's a grower up north and she grows in tunnels. And she said, well, do you think, because I'm out of clean virgin bed space within the tunnel mm -hmm. in the ground, could I use your no-till system and just continue to grow in that tunnel, you know, but now I'll be growing on top of the soil that they had been grown in before. I didn't know the answer to that. So do you, what do you think? Yeah. Could that work she or would, not? <laughs> she would probably be okay if, if when she harvested all her tulips, the bulbs came out with it and she's not got a bunch of dead bulbs in there. Plus is I wouldn't do it like grow tulips this year and then do your no-till this fall on the same bed. If you wait a year in between, you'd probably be okay because you're basically you know, sealing the old ones down in there. But if, but if you have, usually, even if you grow tulips in the field and you pull them and the bulbs come up, for the next two or three years, you have little baby bulbs, sprouts trying to come up. So that's why you don't want to plant till those are totally dead, gone, composted, and no longer in there. Because that's what will transfer the tulip fire and just cause problems on future crops. Okay. And that's one reason I do, for, for those listening, I love my no-till system <clears throat> for many, many reasons which I go on about in a blog post, but one of the reasons is you can actually pull all the bulbs. Like I, I get no bulbs stay in my bed. Like it comes up so easily because it's just light, fluffy compost. So when I yank bulbs, they come, you know, instead of when you're in, when you, when you, plant into a trench a soil trench a lot um off. a lot break off and then they're just there like mm -hmm. it's really really hard to get rid of those bulbs yeah because they're down the six or eight mm -hmm. inches and you're not going to so do deep. them with the tiller or anything they're just there <laughs> right right <laughs> right exactly so um oh, i'm loving this conversation uh so much and i i think this is going to help so many people so next up dave oh wait were there any more thoughts about short stems um, or is there any short, other it's just making sure that enough, enough water and that adequate cooling so make sure you're not trying to force them early or planting them too late and they don't get any any cooling because that will make a difference. Um, you know, I don't know the formula, but like, you know, if they miss three weeks of cooling, they're going to be two or three inches too short. Okay. And, I, and right now, if somebody listening is is experiencing short tulips as of this moment, mm -hmm. is there anything they can do? Should they just water? Could they throw like shade cloth yeah. over it? Make, is there make, any like Hail yeah, Marys? Make, yeah, Hail Mary sometimes <laughs> helps. Uh, make sure they're watered. But then also, yeah, shade cloth would help because then they'll stretch looking for the light. Um, so yeah, so that's the, the one grower that had the short tulip, she put shade cloth and it helped a little bit, but then the other ones that were in the shade cloth still got taller. So okay, okay, cool. So let's talk about harvest in general. Like we've already said, we pull the bulb. You got to pull the right. bulb, guys. You cannot leave it in there. Stop thinking you're somehow going to save it. It's not happening. I don't even think you should really resell it to. I oh, know no. some like people said, they, they in the past have three or four yeah. bulbs. It just doesn't work. No. Right, right. For some reason, I've heard other growers who like sell bags of bulbs that they chopped off or you give not them the to the no. customer to say like, here, plant it. 
little girl. I, that just doesn't work. <laughs> so for do the record, Lily, it doesn't work. Not with tulips, no. I <laughs> right. Do exactly. Exactly. So, so, but we've pulled the bulb. For me, I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk through real quick my process for harvesting. And for those listening, I'm trying very hard to make time to do a quick video of me harvesting, so you can have a visual of this process. But basically, what I do is I yank the bulb. I have a table set, a folding um, plastic table set right next to my tulip area. And I, I pull up bundles of tulips. I set them up on the plastic table. Um, I have a wheelbarrow set right next to the plastic table. And then once I've filled the table with the bulbs that I've yanked, I stand there in one spot and no more bending over. You got to stop bending over. <laughs> it hurts your body. Yes, um, and I just process there on the table. And when I'm processing, I'm snapping the bulb off. And then I'm removing usually the two lower leaves and I leave one leaf on. Um, and that, that changes whether I'm doing retail, then I might leave an extra leaf on and because I'm not going to store it for very long. Or um, if I'm using it for wedding designs, then I take all the leaves off because as a designer, I don't want a leaf. I know I, I'm not going to use that leaf. So, so you take the leaves and the bulbs off depending on how you want to do it exactly. Then I bundle them up. I personally bundle into 20 stem bunches. Uh, I like that size of bundle, but you can choose for yourself. But I do, do recommend standardizing the bundle size so that you know when you have them in storage exactly how many do you have in there because you can do a count of your bunches. So don't make them random numbers of stems in a bunch. Instead, standardize your bunch size. So mine are 20 stem bunches. Then um, I put a rubber band at the base of the stem bunch, and I, put a, I slide a loose rubber band up to towards the top of the bunch to give a little more support up there. Then I dunk the bottoms if it's muddy. I mean, when the compost is dry, I literally don't have to do anything. But <laughs> when it's usually wet in the spring, so there's a little bit of muddiness, I have a five-gallon bucket at my feet that's about three-quarters of the way full of water. So I'll take that um, assembled bunch and I'll dunk it into that bucket. Stems first. Don't ever put the ball or the bloom into water. Right. That's a really bad idea. Um, but put that uh, base in base of the stems into the five gallon bucket just give it a quick swish that usually takes all the dirt off of it then they get laid in black bulb crates to sort of dry out so they get laid flat on the table and then I continue to process and usually I'm getting you know 20 bunches or so every time I'm out there harvesting I harvest three times a day and then we take those bunches um, with you know they're now in crates you can easily carry hundreds thousands of tulips easily back into we have a shed or, or if you have a barn or garage wherever you are, you're going to wrap them in paper. So you can use newspaper or I use brown craft paper at this point because I got tired of getting ink all over my hands. Um, but you want to bundle them up. I say sort of like a burrito exactly. <laughs> for visual. Um, bundle each. So each 20 stem bunch gets its own burrito of paper around it. And then they get laid flat again back into those black bulb crates. I use black bulb crates for storage. I lay them flat, um, you know, sort of you have to like uh, it's hard to, hard to describe one here, but flip flop the button, you know, right. lay one in with the, the blooms laid one direction and lay the other, the next bundle in with the blooms laid the other direction. That way it's just most efficient laying it out, um, in the crates. Usually I can get six bundles in a crate, um, before it's like so full. And then they're laid flat. They're not standing up or anything. Mine are laid flat. Then I stack those crates in the cooler. That's why I use black bulb crates is because I can stack those crates. So I usually have 
about eight crate to high stacks. And given whenever I'm doing it, there might be eight to 10 to 20 <laughs> crates in my cooler, depending on what I'm trying to do. And that's dry storage. There's no water involved. This is all dry. You want your stems dry. You want your blooms dry. You want no water involved in this process at all. And then I keep my cooler at about 33 degrees. I'm pretty, uh, I trust my cooler really well. <laughs> I'm, I'm very familiar with my yeah. cooler. <laughs> Right. So that's what I do for mine. But Dave, you should talk about what you yeah. what you your experience has been. Yeah. We did a little bit different on my farm um, because we sold most of our flowers at farmers markets and sold by the stem. Nothing was pre-bunched, so it didn't matter how many were in a bucket. When we got to the mm. market, we would just spread them out so they weren't so packed tight in the bucket, so customers could pull them out easily. So we didn't count when they went in the cooler. We didn't bunch them when they went in the cooler. It was just a bucket of red tulips, a bucket of yellow, or five buckets of red, depending on how many were blooming. Mm, okay. Um, but we planted with the trench method. So we would pull them and 90% of the time the bulb stayed in the ground. So we just had a nice long stem, but depending on the weather, there might be dirty and muddy stems. Um, so we would take, you pull a handful and we'd have a deep five gallon bucket, totally full of water, um, swish off the dirt to clean them up. And then we would get them the right height. Sometimes you'd get a few that are a little too long because you want them to look pretty in the bucket. So they get kind of the same height. Then we would just fill the bucket. Each bucket would be a different color as we pick down the bed and down the row. And then those buckets went right in the cooler like that. Only a little bit of water in the bucket, about two inches. And they would just stay in that cooler for the week. And then that weekend we would take them to the farmer's market. Again, that bucket was so full, we would take empty buckets. So when you get there, that one bucket of red tulips might split into three buckets to make it easier to shop out of. And so we really didn't handle them much other than pull it, rinse it, put it in the bucket and it went in the cooler and that was it. Um, the buckets were so full, they didn't have a chance to droop or fall over while they hydrated and were in the cooler. And literally, we would keep track of what went in every week. And rarely did we ever hold a tulip more than, you know, pick it Monday through Friday and sell it that weekend. Occasionally, we'd have a lot of actually when I picked on a Thursday or Friday, we'd hold till the following weekend. But we just had a big enough customer base that we could sell everything we picked throughout the week on that weekend. Hmm. Yeah, that, that seems like a, a super efficient process. Very efficient. Yes. <laughs> really nice and yeah. easy. There was, there was no packing shed or packing barn. It went right from the field to the bucket to the cooler. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, we have to, I dry store mine because of, um, usually I'm trying to save them for so long. So I've, right. I've successfully st successfully stored them for up to six weeks. I never pushed it for any longer than that. But six weeks was always my goal whenever right. I was storing. Yeah, so if you want to hold them more than that week to 10 days, you definitely should do the dry storage like Jenny does. We are wrapping them and protecting them and make sure they're bone dry when they go in. No water on them. And you got to be really careful. They really have to be bone dry because botrytis will hang out inside oh, yes. the petals. So yep. when it's a rainy stretch of time, it can be really challenging. So we had um, 2018 is forever emblazed in my memory as the year that it never stopped raining. And that is actually the year I started no-till farming because I had no choice. Uh, but that was also the year that I think every mid-Atlantic flower farmer had to mm -hmm. toss so many of their tulips yes. because there was just botrytis everywhere. Yep. So that's something to be aware of. If it's super rainy... And we have had a rainy week here this year where I won't store those tulips then. they right. If it's raining, I purposely try to find a way to sell them as fast as possible. Yeah. So um, that's don't store wet tulips. You just should not yeah. do that. There was a grower in Vermont that used to go with tons of tulips. And he grew the, just the big single French type tulips and sold them to wholesales in New York. And he did basically like Jenny did, almost the no-till where he would bury them with compost rather than mm -hmm. digging a hole. 
But one year it was so rainy that they all rotted in the field and he <gasps> never grew tulips again because he was planting 100,000 tulips a year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's just the risk you take of growing tulips out in the open. If you have a rainy spell in the spring, you're at the mercy of the you weather. You got nothing. Yeah. I actually had a lot of anxiety this year about my no-till system for the tulips because we got snow, so much snow, which is unusual for mm -hmm. Philadelphia yeah. to get so much snow. So we were actually under snow cover continuously for six weeks, which has never in my lifetime happened yes. before. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what this does. Like, I don't know what this does to the tulips that are hanging out in essentially a raised bed of compost. So, um, but for the record, they did amazing. Like, I've got the best tulips yet. So apparently yeah. they really like yeah, as long as you had, had some cold weather beforehand to get the ground cold and it wasn't right. just a six inches of insulation keeping the soil at 50 degrees, you would have been fine. So yeah, it so worked. it all worked out. Yeah. So for just to continue real quick, so I um, anybody listening knows. So for when you do dry storage, then if I want to use those flowers, the next step is a day, no more than a day before I want to use them. Sometimes I know my tulips really well. I've been doing this for a long time. So sometimes I wait until just two hours before I want to use them. I will take the bundles out of dry storage that I want to use. Only take out as many as you want to use. You know, don't just bring the whole crate out and then be like, oh, I only needed 50 stems. Only bring the, the ones out of storage that you want to use. You're going to leave them in the paper. Don't take that paper off. But what I do is I scrunch up the paper from the bottom of the stems. I, I expose about four inches of the stems at the very bottom, but leave the paper on because that's a good support for these wilty stems. For the record, dry stored tulips are super wilted like yes. beyond wilted <laughs> you, you will think they're dead <laughs> yeah don't don't panic they are absolutely fine they think about it they were just left without water for weeks of course they're going to be wilted like what else yeah. would happen to them so they're going to be super super limp like spaghetti noodle limp um and so you want to leave them wrapped in that paper so there's a nice support for them then i put about i put about three inches of water in a bucket so it's not going to get the paper wet um, I trim about an inch off the bottom of the stems. It depends. Sometimes I only trim a quarter of an inch because yeah. they're shorter yeah. and I want but the full length. You can length. see the end that's dried up. You need to make sure you remove all the dried up end. You can see it. Yeah, you need to get Obvious. to fresh tissue at the bottom of the stems. Then just put those in the wa in the water in the bucket. Let them sit in a a um, not in the cooler. Generally, I, I leave them out of the cooler, but not in sun. Don't ever put them in sun. So just put them in a you know I put them in my barn in a darker area. Um, and within two hours, usually they are they're turgid again. They've stiffened up again. Yeah. And then within a few more hours after that, they're starting to to mature. They're starting to go from what is the color cracked stage. Ooh, which I didn't talk about. We yes. should talk about color crack stage. <laughs> yeah. um, but let me just finish my thought here. Uh, so you, it, they will um, start maturing. They're going to start getting more colored up. They're going to start blooming. Um, and within a day, they're usually starting to look like essentially like the tulips you'd see in the grocery store it's in terms of the stage right. that they're at. And then within another day, then they're like full on gorgeous. So when you're doing event work in particular, I just want to say this for the farmer florists out there, I usually actually don't pull them out of the cooler until about two hours before I want to design with them. And then that means I get a nice turgid stem, which I need <laughs> to be able to design, but I won't progress that bloom any further um, because the reality is wedding flowers go through a lot of stress. So you don't want to 
mature that bloom any further than absolutely necessary. So I want it to stay nice and tight until um, usually when we take them to a wedding, then then the space is warm, the space is sunny, there might be wind. And so within a couple hours, those blooms are going to blow wide open yes. once they're at the wedding venue. So don't push them fast, you know, like give them, be patient, design with them closed. Um, and that will help you uh, have a better tulip. Um, and another thing for designers and for anybody who's not really familiar with tulips, they grow in the vase. They can put on oh. several inches of growth in the vase. So think about that. When you're using them in a bouquet, whether it's a mixed bouquet for farmer's market or anything, you actually want to sink those tulips a little lower down into design, right. almost kind of hide them. And then they're going to pop on up out of there as they go. So so that's the way to rehydrate um, and prepare your dry stored tulips to be able to use them and if you're going to farmer's market same thing like don't pull them out any sooner than you have to because here's the thing guys when it doesn't matter whether you stored it with the bulb on or the bulb off when that tulip goes out into hot sunny conditions it is gonna blow it do, yeah. i don't care how old it is how long it's been in storage <laughs> anything is gonna blow open <laughs> yeah. so avoid heat and sun as long as possible and keep them as tight for as long as possible Right. So speaking of tight, yes, the harvest stage, which is super, super critical no matter what. So Dave, yes. I've talked enough. You talk yeah. about the harvest stage. <laughs> you, you basically have either single tulip um, and fringe tulips that are basically singles or you have doubles and parrots. For the single tulip, as soon as you can tell what color it's going to be and you're pretty sure that's going to be pink or red or yellow, it's time to pick to pull that tulip and harvest it. You never want to see this bed of beautiful yellow or red tulips blooming in your field, fully colored up. You slept in too late. You didn't pick it three times today. And those are past their prime big time. Um, you should barely know what color they're going to be. And that's the time to pull those single or single fringe tulips or the uh, lily tulips also. Um, for the doubles and parrots, they need to be a little bit more color, but still not totally colored. Um, like for a parrot, you might have the the outer petals that you see like a third or maybe almost halfway colored up, but they still should be fairly green. And same with the doubles, they should have some color showing, but not totally fully colored. Um, the reason you wanna let them open a little bit more is especially with some of the doubles, if you pick them too soon, they won't open at all. Um, there's the one called Renown Unique, which is a later blooming, mm -hmm. has a really round bud. If mm -hmm. you pick those where they're showing a little bit of color, they may never open because they're just not quite ready. They need another day or two on the plant. Mm -hmm. um, but then when you are harvesting tulips, like I said, sometimes three times a day, you go out at sunrise, go out noon, and then again at sunset, do it again. And the other thing to remember is sometimes you'll have a, a warm spell or a hot spell and your tulips are still blooming. Some of your later single lates and maybe some of the parrots. If you get weather that's 75 or 80 degrees and really windy, sometimes the the sunny side of that flower can get dehydrated and just, just destroy it. Just, it, mm. it becomes crunchy. So be mm. aware of your weather Think, Oh, it's going to be 85 degrees today. My tulips, I got to pick them twice a day. You might have to pick them all day. You might have to protect them mm -hmm. with some shade or something too, because mm -hmm. that wind at 80 or 85 degrees, or literally you go back and look and the side has turned gray and there's shriveled up and, and dead on the sunny side. So that's a terrible thing to have happen when you think, Oh, like, I'm going to go back and pick them at three o'clock, but by between 12 and two, they all got destroyed because it was this heat wave came through and, and dehydrated them. Yeah. 
Yeah. I had a one time uh, very early on in my career of growing tulips. Um, so this is over a decade ago. I had an employee working for me and I told him to pick the tulips. And, and I thought he had picked the tulips. And I went back like an hour after he had picked the tulips and there was a boatload of tulips. And I actually yelled at him. I was like, why? <laughs> I told you to pick the tulips. Why didn't you pick the tulips? Because now we're screwed. Like there's yeah, so right. many tulips over there. And he's like, I did pick the tulips. And then he showed me all the tulips he had picked. And in within an hour, yeah. there were like more tulips than he had picked. Yeah. And I was just blown away. And that was like this moment where I was like, oh crap, these okay. are like, <laughs> I'm, sure. I, I remember days when we, basically we picked because we had so many growing we plant twenty thousand. some days you were start picking tulips at 7 30 or 8 o'clock in the morning and you still pick them at two <laughs> then you go back out at three and four or end of the day and pick them again because yeah, it's warm yeah. weather and they get ready so fast yeah so fast when that sun's out especially if it was rainy like the day before and then a really warm yeah. sun comes man they just go to town the so. other thing i want to point out is if you're growing tulips you have to have a cooler Yes. Because if it, if you're selling at a weekend farmer's market and it's ready on Monday and Tuesday, if you don't have a cooler, you might as well just throw it away. You're not going to be able to hold it to the end of the week. Um, when I first started out and wasn't growing many tulips, I literally took everything out of my kitchen refrigerator and stacked it full of tulips. I did the same with the peonies. I did that one year and they said, I got to get a real cooler. And then I built a real cooler. But yeah, you cannot grow tulips without having a, a cooler to store them in. Yeah. Yeah. I actually built a cooler last over the winter last year, a cooler specifically for tulips for tulips, yeah. and peonies. I mean, well, you know, yeah. they'll shift it by the time the peonies come, the tulips will the be tulips gone. Come, yeah. But um, it's a, just a, basically a walk, uh, like a, a, the size of a closet. That's just the right width for stacks of crates. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so it's, I, it's really easy to cool it right down to 33 degrees, trust it. Um, the humidity is, you know, just right. Um, it's been so much better than trying to share a big cooler uh with other other flowers where you're opening the door all the time and the temperature fluctuates and humidity comes and goes um so that this is actually to say more to anybody who is a newer grower if you really feel like you can't like put in like a big fancy cooler right away but you really want to go whole hog into tulips <laughs> then you should at least build a closet cooler <laughs> if yes, you can't come up with small. anything yep. else yeah, yeah something but you really cannot do tulips um without a cooler i absolutely agree with that the other thing, so I, I just want to point out real quick, if you're, if you're not growing tulips yet and you're not selling flowers at this time of the year when tulips are blooming, if you don't have a customer base, whether it's a farmer's market open or florist that you're selling to, I wouldn't plant tulips your first year and have them blooming for you in March and April. And you're like, oh, where am I going to sell these? The market's not open. I don't have a CSA. You don't have a following of customers. It's not something you want to start out with necessarily your first year on a big scale until you have that customer base to buy them when they're ready. Yeah. Exactly. Because they are this thing that just has to get sold. You can't you yeah. can't do the legwork um, in the moment. You've got to have already had the legwork done. Yeah. So and it's also really something that point. has a high input cost per flower. It's not like a, a two cent sunflower seed. You're talking a 40, 30 to 50 cent bulb. Yeah. So on that subject, somebody asked on the Instagram post about profitability mm -hmm. and how could we possibly make tulips profitable. And I, I actually love this subject because I've been challenged many times on my, you know, I started really uh, promoting the concept of tulips a long time ago. I think probably <laughs> based on you encouraging yeah. me. I love how this, I love how this conversation feels so full circle. <laughs> by the way, Dave, because you really were such an influence in my early years of flower farming. It worked, and I love <laughs> that I can. Yeah, and I, it worked. 
all your advice was super spot on. And I love that now I, I can hopefully help advise other people. So some of the advice that either you gave me or somebody else gave me about, you know, like there's this tulips do cost a lot of money to yes. produce, but there's a couple really critical pieces of the puzzle here is that, um, they uh, get you to market earlier, which mm -hmm. is really important. You know, it's kind of like those vegetable growers that grow hothouse tomatoes, which is a pain in the butt. But at least it gets you there early um, to the market. It gets you ahead of everybody else. So tulips are really, really good for that reason. They are one of the most reliable spring crops that you're definitely going to have. And you can you can plan on it and you yeah. can start selling early. They're colorful. They get people's attention. People really, really love them. So yeah. for that, yeah. it's one reason it's willing to take you should be willing to take the risk then also it's something you can grow over the winter in space that usually isn't going to be used for something else right. like literally with my no-till system you can build a bed any anywhere <laughs> to put tulips in so it's right. it's something that can be growing over the winter when nothing else is necessarily growing right. you can you're use starting, any space. you're starting those after you've had your frost so you're completing your celosia bed your zinnia bed just clear it up plant your tulips there and then they're done in the spring by first or second week of may and you can plant another annual back in the same bed so yes yes so it really uses up space that would otherwise go unused and then i did um a cost breakdown um for my tulip inputs here and my uh, one thing i will say to make tulips profitable you really need to buy the cheaper bulbs you got it first First of all, you have to buy bulbs in quantities. Anybody who's listening to this podcast who's just buying 50 of this variety, 20 of that variety, wow. I'm going to smack you over the face. <laughs> you have to stop. That is not the way to commercially produce tulips. You just have to stop that. Right. Knock it off. So I have a rule of not really buying less than 500 of a given variety. I will test a variety that I've never used before and buy like 100 or 200. But once I like a variety and I know it works for me, I buy in no less than 500 right. because that's where the price break is. Dave knows this, right, Dave? Right. The price break <laughs> is anywhere from usually six to ten, 10 cents less to buy 500 versus 100. Um, so, you know, that 10 cents a stem, 10 cents a bulb means you're making 10 cents more per stem when you sell it. So that really adds up fast. It adds up super fast, especially if you're a farmer florist who's doing a markup system. So um, so I'll just run through the math of what I do, generally speaking. So I generally have um, my cheapest bulb is usually about 25 cents a stem. And that's usually uh, like one like Menton or um, I don't know, I'll try to think of some other ones. But there's, you know, cheaper ones. Um, I try to do about 60% of my bulbs will be in that 25 cent stem range, mm -hmm. um, 25 to 26 you know and then my most expensive bulb usually is no more than 40 cents a bulb i try to cap myself if something's more than 40 cents a bulb i tell myself i can't have it right. <laughs> so which is hard but that's part of the process of making tulips profitable and then so that's the bulb cost is 25 to 40 cents which basically averages out to oh boy i didn't write that part down but <laughs> I'm really, I'll just keep rolling. Um, and then I have time to myself in terms of the um, planting and then also the, the harvesting. So basically your inputs for d growing tulips are the bulb itself and then labor. There's really not a lot of other inputs. Right. You don't use fertilizers. You don't uh, you don't generally spray for pests or anything like that. So um, so my labor for planting in my no-till system, okay, guys, I have to stress this has only been in the past couple of years when I adopted this no-till raised bed compost system that I've got. That 
took my labor cost way, way down. So now it's about two cents per bulb to plant the bulb. So that's at a, if I'm paying um, the, the people that are working on it, if I'm paying them $15 an hour, it averages out to about two cents a bulb to plant um, those bulbs. Then to pick the bulbs in the spring, also this has been because of my no-till system. It is so freaking fast to harvest tulips oh, yes. out of these composts, like so fast. <laughs> Basically, I would not be growing tulips anymore if I was still doing the trench system because I was giving myself carpal tunnel and lower back problems like nobody's business because of pulling, trying to pull bulbs out of dense clay soil is not working. So, but with the no-till system, I can harvest super fast. So my, I'm averaging about 11 cents a bulb to pick them and then process them and throw them into the cooler. Um, now, my no-till system does involve a lot of compost, but I reuse that compost. That compost isn't like, I ruined. actually, right. it's so not good. ruined at all. <laughs> In fact, it's actually amazing compost for uh, the summer crops that I grow then because what it's done is it's sat all winter and aged more surrounding the tulip bulbs. Mm -hmm. And those tulip bulbs have roots, which are feeding the microbes and the worms and everything that are in the compost. So actually the compost that's coming out of my no-till tulip bed is the best compost I could ever get anywhere. So I actually consider it like a bonus that I'm getting this really great compost. So the compost in my mind is not a cost of the tulip production at all. Um, so all of that being said, when it averages out, it's about um, 45 cents a stem of cost to go into there. Once I, that's, that's average. That's, you know, it's anywhere from 38 cents to 53 cents a stem of cost, depending on the cost of the bulb. Frankly, it's the bulb that makes all the difference right. here. Mm -hmm. And then, so that's the cost. And then I generally can sell my tulips for about two cents or two cents, ha ha ha, two dollars a stem retail. Like right now at like this week, I just sold hundreds of tulips at $20 a bunch, which is a 10 stem bunch. So it's $2 uh, or $2 a stem. Mm -hmm. So that's like not bad, right? I mean, that's you know, at, at, at mm -hmm. most 53 cents cost, and then I can turn around and sell it for two cents a stem. So for those who are skeptical about the profitability mm -hmm. of tulips, they are actually really profitable. Right. Even if you so. went back and sold them for $1.50 a stem, you're still making money because it's costing you 50 to 60 cents. Yeah. But the, the important thing though, is you need to sell most of your tulips. If you end up not selling half of them, boom, they run all your profit. Then that's the profit, right? And the, so that's one thing too to say with the um, with the no-till system, is that every it, this was phenomenal too. I can't even rave enough about my no-till system. <laughs> but like I get basically 100% of my stems, Dave. It's crazy. Like yeah. in the past, I used to get maybe 80% if mm -hmm. I was lucky because so many would break when you pulled them or they just wouldn't make it up through. They'd be like twisted and stunted from trying. I have heavy clay soil, so they were trying to get up through the clay. Um, but with this no-till system, at pretty much I'm pulling almost 100%. I, I, I say I, from my own calculations, I say I get 90% of them. Um, but I think it's about a hundred percent in reality. So, so there's, there's that, um, in terms of just like, it makes it so much profitable. And then if I can turn around and sell every stem, then bam, yeah, right. <laughs> there Very we good. go. Yes. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it really works. And if you're a farmer florist and you're doing wedding work, then holy moly, there goes your profit, like skyrockets at that point. Yes. Cause then you can, you can, um, mark those stems up to about $4 a stem or sometimes even more than that. So, um, it really, it definitely, they're profitable for the record. Yes, yes. But like I said, as long as you got a place to sell them, that's the important.
important thing. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you have storage. You really, really have to have storage. So that is super, super important. Um, So a couple other questions that I want to try to just bang out real fast um, is, uh, do you have any recommendations for pest control, mostly voles? I mean, deer, just get yourselves a fence, people. You have to have a fence. Deer, (laughs) Deer will eat them. I have seen deer smell them in the ground and dig them up as soon as the ground falls in the spring. They're not even sprouted yet. You don't even know they're coming up and the deer are digging holes like a dog digging up a bone. So if you have deer pressure, you have to protect your tulips. I had deer pressure, but I was able to protect them just say planting them in beds that were like three feet or 30 inches wide and putting a fence around them with just a four foot wide support netting and then a Mm. piece of netting over the top. And that was enough to keep them out. They couldn't reach through the netting to where they were growing and that that protected them. You don't have to have a, a real deer fence um, so that worked for me. If you had really aggressive deers, deer, maybe you'd, that wouldn't work, but that was okay for me. Um, so you have to protect from that. The only other thing is occasionally when I grew them in a greenhouse, I would get some aphids, but I've never had an insect problem out in the field as far as yeah, aphids or anything. Um, the other thing is if you do have voles that are eating things, you just got to plan on treating, uh, protecting from the voles. I know people mm-hmm. put down, um, hardware cloth so they can't get to them. Like with Jenny's option, where she's growing like that, you'd have to put a, you know, dig a small trench around it, put it down so mm-hmm. they can't get through from the sides to it. I don't mm-hmm. know how deep foals go. I don't think they go a few inches deep. They're not going down 18 inches. So you wouldn't have to go very deep. They're close to the surface. Um, the other thing is you get a cat and don't feed them much. Yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> Two tomcats that are hungry all the time. That yeah, takes you care still of feed them, you take care of them, but just don't overfeed <laughs> right. them. Yeah, don't overfeed them. Don't let them get um, fat. <laughs> yep. um, but that's yeah. the only thing that really bothers them. I've never had a groundhog bother them or anything else like that. Me either. You know, occasionally, if you have a lot of rabbits, they might come out and nibble on them, but hmm. it's unusual. Hmm. I've no, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever even seen a rabbit walk you might towards have, my. You might not have rabbits in your neighborhood if you have the right kind of birds and other animals around. Fox, you don't have rabbits, um, but they're pretty pest-free. Um, you know, like I know one person that says they're like a TV and uh, car antenna or a TV antenna. You just put them in the ground; they just they pop out like you pull them out and they grow. And that's pretty simple. There's not mm-hmm. much to do to grow them. They're not very picky. As long as you get the, the cooling they need and the water, you, it's a no-brainer to grow them. Nice. So before we wrap this up, because I, I thought it was going to be a 30 minute conversation. I don't know what's wrong with yeah. me. I always like think <laughs> these things are going to be short. And then I got so many questions, which, yep. by the way, I've learned so much already today okay. from you and proof that a seasoned grower, even if I've been doing this for so long, there's still so much to learn. So two quick questions. Um, what is your very favorite tulip or you can pick oh. up to three to grow as a as a, when you were farming? Did you have a go to well, tulip? The renowned unique, which mm-hmm. is a um, the double later blooming one. I always liked that mm-hmm. one because it kind of gave you one more week of sales because it was always the last one to bloom. Um, like that one. And then the amazing parrot because it's a nice tall uh, pinky peachy parrot. Pinky yeah. peachy parrot. Um, I like that one. But then it's also the really tall one called flaming parrot that's really tall. It's just a basic red and yellow. It's not real full parrot. Hmm. But okay. it's, it's, you think of the Vincent, not Vincent Van Gogh, but the the paintings from back then, those uh, the master's paintings, those are the kind of tulips they were painting. It's just kind of that reminiscent of that. And they always sold well because they're really tall. Uh, and yeah. they're probably like super eye-catching. Oh, so yeah. people like yes. really wanted to uh, wanted to grab those when and, they were and, walking by at the market. And the other thing I recommend is don't grow a lot of the, what I call Safeway or grocery store tulips. Yeah, don't grow those Show up weirdos. at a grocery store at <laughs> $4.99 for 10 stems. Don't even grow those varieties. It's basically most of the triumph the single 
Triumph tulips, mm-hmm. don't even bother with them unless it's a variety you have to have. You know, just yeah. So my one of my favorites actually is a little bit more of a single, but is she? So it's tulip menton. It's a peachy yes. color, mm-hmm. longest stems ever. Very I mean, this, yep. this tulip really is like thirty six inches when you pull the stem, pull the bulb. Yes, um, and it's just such a reliable tulip, like super reliable, and the color goes with anything. So yep. that's tulip menton. And then I also really like um, Dream Touch, which is a fancy, okay. fancy, mm-hmm. um, a little bit more expensive, but Dream Touch is a purple double, which is really great. Um, and and then I also am super fond of Copper Image, which is another yes. fancy, fancy double um, one as well. So for anybody who's curious about some good good ones to leap off with there. Um, and then just to wrap it up, Dave, is there anything you wish somebody had told you about tulips earlier on or you think that people should know right now that we didn't talk about? Um, <laughs> well, I think a really good thing to know is about what I talked about, putting a tunnel over some of them mm-hmm. to get them earlier. If you have the market to sell them earlier, because you can basically almost double your tulip sales by getting ready three to three and a half to four weeks earlier. I mean, that just is a you know, double your sales. Why wouldn't you do it? <laughs> right. That That is just like phenomenal. Yeah. I'm like kind of kicking myself that I didn't do that this year. Yeah. It's, it's too late for this year. Bank. But it's as it's, it's <laughs> simple as just having two different sections in the field or put some in a yeah. tunnel. The tunnel has to be open and cold all winter. You can't share that mm. tulip tunnel with ranunculus. It's got to be open and cold until you close it in sometime late February, the first part of March. Right. Yeah, that, right. that's to me is the biggest thing. And then to remind people that you can't save them. People always, you know, I can remember when I first had them, I, I didn't know what I was doing for the most part. And I was cutting them right at the ground and leaving a leaf, trying to get them to come back next year. And yeah. well, after a year, I realized that doesn't work. It just doesn't <laughs> work. It doesn't. And you're and you're explaining that it's daughter bulbs in there really helps. Yeah. That makes like good, good sense. I mean, I yeah. knew it just didn't work, but I didn't know the science behind it. So, um, so great. Well, this has been utterly phenomenal. I know there's going to be so many people who are going to really appreciate having this to listen to as they harvest tulips. <laughs> so this will this will be coming out real soon, so yeah. everybody can, they can um, listen dig to it into with their it. headphones while they're out pulling yeah, tulips. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, but Dave, you teach an online class and I want to make sure people yes. know that, that there's a way that they can learn more from you because you are literally a freaking wealth of knowledge in that head of yours. So tell them where your class is and what yeah. it's called. I do the online class with the Gardener's Workshop. Um, the class I do is called Bulbs, Perennials, Woodies, and more. And actually the very first class, the very first week is all about tulips. It's all, I don't know, 45 minutes on tulip growing. Um, but the class is every July, starts usually the second or the Friday after 4th of July. So this year it starts July 9th and registration for the class is only for uh, like five days or four or five days from June 14th to the 18th. And if you need more information about it, you can go to thegardenersworkshop.com and there's a link there for online classes and you can scroll down and find the one that's the one that I do. Scroll a little farther, there's the one that Jenny does. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> she that's can tell about hers. <laughs> I try to keep that in wraps. No, I'm just kidding. No, I um, no, I love that you teach that class, and I've heard such good things about yeah. it. And I um, I know that there it's packed full of information. Like I said, you you were seriously one of my best mentors over the years, so I know how much information you have to share with everyone. And that's great that that I didn't know that open registration was about to start in yes. a couple months. So people yep. put that in your put that in your list, yeah. so you know. I'll put a link in the show notes too, so that everybody can grab that for um, future reference. Yeah. So the best thing to do um, is go to the gardeners workshop and sign up for the email list to be notified about the classes and that way you can't forget 
you'll get it right away. Yeah. So, and 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 uh, Dave Dave doesn't know this yet, but I'm going to rope him into writing a little um, resource list for you guys um, that we'll collaborate on, yes. <laughs> and we'll link. Yep, we'll we'll make sure that you can uh, get a hold of that. It's just going to take us a few more days to get that together, uh, but we'll put that up. You'll see it on my Instagram account, and then um, I'll send a newsletter out too about that. So keep your eyes open for a Tulips resource page um, that we're going to put together that you guys can grab as well so hopefully that answered some of your burning tulip questions and we'll rock and roll get back out there everyone and keep <laughs> keep harvesting those tulips, tulips uh, <laughs> yeah and thank you dave so much for your time i really appreciate it So there you go. So, all right. So here we're going to rock and roll and I'm just making sure I'm actually recording.